Okay, our topic for today is there is no separation between God and us, only oneness. You know, Jim, there's a lot of times, even back 30 years ago when I, 35, whatever, when I first started walking with the Lord, where I, I was in a position where I felt like if I messed up, if I did something wrong, if um, I sinned, um, that God was going to, like, he, he couldn't look upon sin, so he, he was going to walk away he, from me. He turned his back on you. He turned his back on me. Right. And I'm telling you, please listen in on this broadcast if you have ever felt that way recently, um, because we will give you scripture and verse how God feels about you. Yeah. And it's not about your performance. It's about who you are and who you are in him and who he is in you. Yeah, it's like I heard one preacher say, which was beautiful. He said, God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Yeah. 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 He loves you with an unconditional love. I mean, I always like to relate it back to my own kids or your own kids and, and, and say, hey, first of all, we all make mistakes and we knew that our kids were going to make mistakes, right? Sure. Sure. I mean, well, well, you know, God is much, much smarter than us. <laughs> I think it says he knows the beginning from the end or something like that. He does. And so every mistake you make, he already knew it before you were even born. Amen. And so, and he loves you anyway. Mm-hmm. He loves you anyway. And, he, and we're going to give you all kinds of scriptures if you have a pen and paper, if you're not driving, um, Make sure you write some of these down because this may help others that you talk to to, to, to get some freedom. Um, there just seems to be a, a bondage that takes place when you're, when you're sitting there worrying that you make a mistake and God's going to turn his back on you. He's going to say, well, you messed up. That was the last chance I'm going to give you, and so you're on your own. You know, Rich, like I share my testimony many times over the radio show about how the Lord appeared to me in a hotel room, and he spoke two things to me. He said, son, your sins have been forgiven. Now go walk in love. And that evening when the Lord spoke to me face to face and he said, your sins have been forgiven, I didn't realize until I grew in the knowledge of his love that what the Lord was saying to me that evening was, you are totally forgiven. Even what you do tomorrow has been bought and paid for at Calvary. You know, the word is, the blood of Jesus is still warm, and it's still flowing, irregardless of what day or what sin you commit. It's under the blood. Yes, it is. And, we, you know, if, if this is a revelation to you, go back to some of our other podcasts, because we, we cover that, oh, we do an exhaustive search on these scriptures that involve um, how God loves you and how your judgment has already been exacted. And all you have to do is read in John 3, the Gospel John in the third chapter, and, and you can see exactly what we're talking about. But there's so many other places, too. Okay, the word separate. You know, if, if you've ever felt that you were separated from God, the first thing I need to tell you is this. It was you. It wasn't him. Amen. 
He will never separate from you. If you feel separate and you don't feel his presence or whatever, it's because you it's because of your doing, not him. And we've all been there. Every one of us has been there. I know I have. But the word separate means to mark off from others by boundaries. Mm. Mark off with other, from others with boundaries. He is not marking you off and setting boundaries. The other definition is set apart for his purpose. That's a good part. In other words, sanctification it is set apart for his purpose. Um, but he never, ever separates himself from you. There are no boundaries or there's no to-do lists to become one with God. It comes down to one thing. He loves us unconditionally. He even says, everybody knows this scripture. Even those that never read the Bible, if they went to a football game, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Not just a select group of people. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall ha- live eternally with him. Eternal yeah. life with him. You can't beat that. That's the best, th- that's the best thing going. So let's break this thing down and unpack it a little bit, Jim. In Romans 8.35, it's, it just spells it out. I mean, really, if, the, if, if all you hear is 8.35, you'll never, ever, ever believe that you're separate from him ever again. And that is, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, Peril, sword, messing up, sinning, doing some, having a bad thought, nothing. Goes on to say in um, verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Did you know you're a conqueror? Through him. It's him that made you the conqueror. Verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, verse 39, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, that, that, that says it all right there. Um, yeah, the Apostle Paul said that we were separated from God in our minds, that's, in, that, in the illusion. <laughs> that's that, funny you that said that. Have. That was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah. That we, if you feel separated, you have created a realm of error in thought. In your thinking. Yeah. Yes. Stinking thinking. Now, that will separate uh, yourself in your mind, in your consciousness, but it won't separate God from you. No. Amen. That never happens. He will never, never. The word never means never. Yeah, on the way in the door, that one scripture, uh, Richard, I quoted, was when Jesus said, although you deny me, I cannot deny myself. 
That's the oneness, the well, depth of the mean, oneness Jim? that what's we that have. What's that mean? We talked about that. But the two are one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't deny, he can't deny himself. Right. Well, th- then he, he can't deny you because yeah. he is part of you and you are part of him. And we're going to get into that oneness here uh, probably in the second part. But, yeah, you, he, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He can't. Because that's <laughs> who nature. he is. It's his nature. Yeah. It's his nature, and he can't yeah. go against his own nature. Amen. That's right. So, um, so we're going to, again, break this down a little bit. Let's, let's go back to where this thought happened. The very first time in the Bible that this thought happened. So let's go to the beginning of when man thought he was separated from God, and that's Adam and Eve in the garden. When talking about separation, we have to look at where it all began, Adam and Eve in the garden. Please listen carefully to this interpretation of this scripture because it might not be the way you've heard it before. Let's start with uh, Adam and Eve. We all know the story of Adam and Eve. We know that Adam and Eve would walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. And um, there was a unity there. There was a oneness. Um, and, and so what happened was we all know the story of eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was forbidden. And... Um, the, the serpent said, "You, once you eat of this, you will be as God, like God. And then um, Genesis 3.24 picks it up. And this is the scripture we're going to talk about because uh, at one time I really had a different view of the scripture. And now um, I, I, I can see it much better. It's, it's been illuminated to me and hopefully it will be illuminated to you. So it says, he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, Jim, what, what, what have you heard that this, as far as the explanation of that? I mean, it's probably the same thing we've all heard. You're going to have to run that by me again. I was looking at a poem right. you were talking. I'm sorry. My point is yeah. this. If we take it literally, it says, so God drove out the man. Right. In other yeah. words, he kicked him out. He didn't right. want to be in their presence anymore. He wanted them because that's where they would walk in the cool of the evening. Right. That's where they would commune together. In that's the spirit, where they would by the spirit. Yeah. talk and, and have conversations and whatever. Fellowship. But because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God kicked them out. I mean, I heard that for decades. Still are hearing it. Still are <laughs> hearing it. That's not what it's saying. Yeah. You know, if you go to the Hebrew, to the Hebrew uh, definitions of these words, that's what you're going to hear right now. And that is this. First of all, it says, he drove out the man. Okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say he drove out Adam and Eve. It says he drove out the man. Well, you got to know what the definition of the man is. The man is, it's A-W-D-A-M, all damn. That is Adam. 
well, what's the definition of Adam? How does the Hebrew define the name Adam? It's a man of low degree, a hypocrite. So let's go back to that scripture. It says, so he drove out the man of low degree or the hypocrite. Guess mm-hmm. what? All he's all the, the only thing God is driving out of the garden is our fleshly nature. He's driving out the carnal man, the old man. However you want to say it, that's what he's driving out. He wants to continue to fellowship spirit to spirit, but what he's doing here is driving out the things that block us. From God and block us to spirit to spirit. So he basically expelled the old man, the fleshly man, and this is what he's expelling too. And again, like you said, Jim, it's happening even now, and that is the mistaken identity we have of ourselves. I mean, if you believe you're a dirty, rotten sinner, stop. That's not how God sees you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't look at yourself that way. Mm-hmm. You're a co-heir with Christ. Mm-hmm. You're an overcomer. So, well, I don't feel like an overcomer. Well, you are one. That's what God said you were. If you really want to get deep, then you can go with what Jesus, when he talked to the Pharisees, and he quoted from Psalm, it was either Psalm 83 or 63, he says, but doesn't the word say that ye are God's? Yeah. That's powerful. That's deep. That's well, powerful. I mean, but sons of God was what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. But the Pharisees uh, were still of the low degree. They were The first man was uh, made of the earth. He was earthy. He right. was carnal. And, uh, and that's what he's driving out. That's right. Amen. Yeah. And so right there, may change, of all, maybe you've already changed your thinking about that verse. He didn't kick Adam and Eve out. He kicked the fleshly, carnal nature of man, you know, plural, you know, man, woman, women, whatever. That's, that's what he's kicking out. So let, let's take this a step further. First of all, God is still doing that today. He's taking his consuming fire doesn't the Bible say God is a consuming fire? Mm-hmm, sure. Well, it was a flaming sword. So if it's a flaming sword, God's consuming fire, and guess what the sword is? The Word of God. The, in Revelation, doesn't a, a double-edged sword come out of Jesus' mouth? I mean, that's a, these are all types and shadows. We don't expect to see Jesus, and there's a sword coming out of his mouth. That's why when you start to interpret the book of Revelation as a natural, carnal book, it's not going to make any sense to you. Yeah, and he says, my word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Exactly. somebody's word, yeah. Yeah. In fact, let's go ahead and read that. Let's go ahead and read that, because I've got a really good... That's Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is living and active and full of power making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, which is the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, 
which is the deepest part of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, let me read it from another version because this is beautiful. It says, the message God spoke to us in Christ is the most life-giving and dynamic influence in us. Cutting like a surgeon's scalpel, sharper than a soldier's sword, piercing to the deepest core of human conscience, to the dividing of soul and spirit, ending the dominance of a sense realm, in other words, the four natural senses, and its neutralizing effect upon the human spirit. In this way, a person's spirit is freed. Boy, don't we want, don't we want our spirit mm. to be free? Yeah. There's liberty in Christ. There's liberty. Uh, the person's spirit is freed to become the ruling influence, again, in the thoughts and intentions of their heart. Now, I know this is a mouthful, but this is good. The scrutiny of this word detects every possible disease discerning the body's deepest secrets where joint and marrow meet. And the notes say, the moment we cease from our own efforts to justify ourselves by yielding to the integrity of the message that announces the success of the cross, God's word is triggered into action. Mm. What God spoke to us in sonship radiates his image and likeness in our redeemed innocence. This word powerfully penetrates and impacts our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. Hmm. Powerful. But that's what we're talking about. Freedom. A flaming sword that the cherubims held on to. And this is, this is the other part that is where it says that in, in the scripture, it says in, in uh, Genesis that, that the flaming sword, which turned in every way to keep the way of the tree of life. How many times have you heard this? Well, that flaming sword was to keep them out. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, was to keep them out. It was like, okay, I kicked you out and I'm going to keep you out. Mm-hmm. I've heard that said many, many times, and that's not what it's saying here. Yeah. 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 So what it's saying is this. That consuming fire is burning up, like the Bible says, all the hay, wood, and stubble in our lives. It's burning out all the remnants of the old man. Burning them out. Let's look at the facts. God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He's a triune God. And here he, he, just a few chapters before, you know, he created man in his image and likeness. But in Genesis 3, 24, if you interpret it the way I used to interpret it, it says, now he's saying, get away from me. I'm going to kick you out and keep you out. That makes no sense, especially from a loving God, a loving parent. You know, you wouldn't do that to your child, and he's not doing it to us. Paul said that the mystery of the ages was Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. So that was the mystery. The mystery was, how can God live in man? How can man live in God? But that's exactly what is happening. We are, that's the oneness. That's, that's the unity that we have in him. Yeah, well, Jesus said that we are the temple of God. Uh, you know, what does that mean? John saw that in the book of Revelations. He says, I was caught up in the spirit. And he said, lo, the tabernacle of God is with man. In other words, the revelation that John saw when he was caught up in the spirit. And brothers and sisters, a lot of the things that Rich and I are trying to convey here, these are things that we honestly believe we've been caught up in the spirit of the Lord. And these things have Amen. been and these things have been shared with us. Um, I know that I know that a lot of times on these radio shows um, we uh, we have a tendency to kill a lot of sacred calves. I mean, you just might as well come right out and say it. There's a lot of things. I mean, I'm speaking from my own personal experience of being a Christian for over 40 years. There's a lot of things that I learned in my journey through a lot of the different denominations that I went to. And don't misunderstand me, it wasn't at all a bad trip. It was a wonderful trip going through all these denominations, and I gleaned a lot of light from them. But you have to be able to uh, eat the hay or eat the corn and spit out the whatever they say. The cob. Yeah, the cob. <laughs> and, and there was a lot of things that I learned that the Lord, um, actually, he said, I, I want you to come out, period. I, and I want you to just get in a quiet place and meditate on me because I want to speak to you. And and when I did that, one of the poems, one of the words that the Lord gave me was this. I'd like to read it to you, if I may. Uh, it says, The Holy Spirit does speak in this hour to reveal the Father's nature and his almighty power. But many of my children cannot receive because they have embraced doctors of men that do deceive. For many years my church has been tossed to and fro by the winds of many doctrines that they cannot let go. But the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, come up here and be transformed. Come up here and be transformed into the image of me. For it is with great desire I long to see the glory of my Son Jesus to come forth in thee. So come out from amongst them, my people, so you can see the loving Christ nature that's now being formed in thee. So there's kind of a warning that's going out in the Spirit today sure. that— uh, and, and I'm sure that many of you are aware of this. God has spoken to your heart about some things that you might have heard come from some of the pulpits. But again, we're not trashing the church or the preachers or the evangelists. Don't misunderstand us because they are serving a, a wonderful purpose. And, uh, you know, let's put it this way. After I got saved, if I wouldn't have been in a church, I probably would have been back in the bar. So I thank God for all the churches. Amen. Amen. We're just we're just challenging you to to dig some stuff up on your own because God can speak to you individually, you know, and if you're not into His Word and you're not uh, praying and meditating on His Word and whatever, um, it's it's a little more difficult for Him to impart wisdom and revelation and knowledge to you because you know you're you're. You're not opening yourself up to communication. All right, well, stay tuned for part two. Okay, so this uh, second part here, we're going to continue on. Uh, the topic today is there is no separation between God and us, only oneness. And, and it's, it's very clear that um, he wants to dwell in us. 
He made that very clear. I mean, when Jesus was crucified and the temple veil was rent in twain, um, you know, even starting with the with the um, upper room on the day of Pentecost, um, his his goal is to commune with you and not to kick you out of the garden. We talked earlier about how this scripture has been misinterpreted by many, many people, including myself at one time. Uh, but God revealed to me that this scripture was a very good scripture. It sounds negative on the, on the uh, if you listen to it in the natural realm, but when you get into the spiritual realm, um, you see the love of God in this. and um, And so God loves us so much that he wants us to become more like him, and so he's gonna he's gonna get rid of the garbage. Let's let's just say it that way. Uh, I know the the word Gehenna uh, is the place outside of Old Jerusalem where they'd burn the garbage. So if you want to get a visual on this, you know God is taking you, and he's taking all the stuff out that's not like him, and he's taking it to Gehenna. To be burned, but it's a good thing. It's a purifying thing. It, it's bringing you into a closer relationship with Him. So um, we're we're now at the point where it says, "And He placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims." The word "east" means beginning. So guess what? You, you're probably seeing this now. There, there's th this whole scripture is about you becoming born again. You know what does it say about born, being born again? Old things must pass away. Behold, everything becomes new. So maybe, and I, and I don't think it's just a one-time event, Jim. I think we we have new beginnings that happen to us, possibly quite often if we're if we're experiencing his presence and seeking his presence and, and all that. The word Eden means pleasure or delight. So today could be your day of new beginnings of pleasure and delight. He wants to meet you in this garden. And we have a lot of podcasts that we talked about the garden. It's, you know, they're very, very uh, explained very carefully. Uh, what is the garden and uh, how do you get there? And just go to our podcast and you can pick that up. Now, um, cherubims are imaginary figures. That's the Greek, that's the Hebrew definition. Many of us have uh, brought into, bought into a lie that cherubims were keeping Adam and Eve from the garden. And that's not so. Um, and and we've, we have been told many times, I know I have, that disobedience will keep you out of the garden, will keep you away from God's presence. And we said in the beginning of the program that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And that nothing can keep you from his love. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, so anyway, if we, as we read on, it says that the cherubim were keeping the way to the tree of life found in the garden. So 
There's a big difference, Jim, between keeping the way and blocking the way. Amen. Big difference. If you're keeping the way, you're pointing the way. Because he says, I am the way. He is the way. Yeah. He is the truth. He is yeah. the life. So, so Jesus is always going to point you to the way. Mm-hmm. That's him. He's going to point you. Everything should point to Jesus. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you in that direction. That's yes. for sure. Everything should point you to Jesus, and everything should point you to love. Those two are hand in hand. It's the same. They're synonymous. Um, the flesh will have no part in the garden. It, it, it just it must go. And that's a good thing. That's where the purification comes and... Uh, you know, they take gold and when it's an ore and they boil it and all the dross comes to the top. That's what God's doing with us right now. All the dross in us is coming to the top and he's just going to scrape it off and we will be pure gold. And that's a great thing. That's a, And if we feel any separation, like we said the first half hour, it's not God. It's all in our mind. Paul it's said. in our mind. Yeah, yeah. Paul said that we separated ourselves um, from the Lord uh, in our mind, and that's the cherubim, the imaginary. <clears throat> we we yeah. imagine these things, you yeah. know. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think we've always been part of God's Spirit. Uh, in Him is life, and frankly, without God's Spirit in us, uh, there is no life, and. Um, they're just uh, there's there's a lot of contradictions that are going on today in um, in God's church, and uh, I think one of the beautiful things that the Lord is doing in this hour is, uh, like He told me, He says we're coming into a new day, um, and uh, the Lord's going to have His way. We're coming into the Lord's day. This is going to be the Lord's day that we're coming into. It's not going to be Jimmy's day anymore, <laughs> because I think for the last two thousand years. Um, since Calvary, man has pretty much been doing his will for God. Uh, but now the Lord is saying, now you're going to do my will for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Lord gave me a dream one time where uh, I walked into a room and and uh, I said hello, and a voice said, yes, why have you come? And I said, I've come to serve the Lord. He said, well, go, on, go out and serve the Lord. So I went out and I, I was preaching and teaching and so on and so forth. And I got totally worn out, and I just wanted to give up. And I thought, I'm going to go back to that room and talk to that individual. I'm going to talk to the voice again. And I went back to the room, and and I said, when I came through the door and you asked me, why have I come, how should I have responded to you? And he said, you should have said, I've come to do thy will, O Lord. Because, you see, this Christianity that we're involved with today is pretty much a religion about works. It's kind of a DIY, do it yourself. You know, you've got to please God. You've got to be acceptable to God. You've got to knock on doors. You've got to pass out four spiritual altars. And, and a lot of these things are good. Don't misunderstand me if they're prompted by the Spirit. But if we're doing it because we feel that that's uh, what we have to do in order to inherit the rest of our salvation, 
the Lord is saying, no, you know, your salvation is already bought and paid for in full, I might add, 2,000 years ago at Calvary. And um, like I heard one preacher say, God is not necessarily interested in what you do for him, but he's very interested in showing you what he's already done for you at Calvary. He wants to reveal his love to a people, and when it's been revealed to us, then it can be revealed out from us. And right now, I still think many of my brothers and sisters still walk in a degree of condemnation. And I just, because, you know, I talk to people all day long in a business that I own, and it's always, well, I don't know where I'm at with God. You know, one guy said, I know God loves me, but I don't think he likes me. <laughs> and, you know, if we're honest about it, a lot of us feel that way. You know, the Bible says God is love, so he must be love. So we will agree that God is love because that's what the Bible says. But then when we walk away, we go, but I don't know if he likes me. I, you know, I don't know if I've done everything that pleased him today. And the and Father's saying, don't worry about pleasing me. That was already done 2,000 years ago by my son, Jesus Christ. He paid it all. Now I'm bringing you forth in his image and in his likeness with his nature, and you're going to be just as pleasing to me as my only begotten son was. Let's read... Uh Let's read this in uh, Revelation. It says, it's Revelation 2.7. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, if I hear that, Jim, I'm going to listen. Amen. <laughs> to him who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus... Yeah, this is how you overcome. It's believing the world through... The world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God. That's how you overcome. It's where it all begins. goes on to say, I will grant the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Man, I want to live in the paradise of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the garden that we talk about. It's where heaven and earth overlap. You know, you're, Jesus said, I'm standing on earth, but I'm in heavenly places. And guess what? And you can too. It says greater things you can do than what I did. Yeah, Jesus realized that the kingdom of his Father was within himself. Yeah. And that's what he tried to convey to all his followers, to, to Jim and to Rich and to, to Bill and to Beth and everybody that's listening out there. Jesus is trying to say to you, the garden, the very garden is inside of you. Um, you know, the kingdom of God is within you. And when the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom, what he's saying is the kingdom does not come with signs of observation, but the kingdom of God has already come. The kingdom of God is within you. And if you want to communicate and experience, and that's the key word, experience, not just keep hearing about him, but if you want to experience him, then go inside in the garden and he'll meet with you. And that's the paradise of God. Yes, it is. I don't it know. Is. There's no paradise on earth that can compare to the paradise of God. I know. What is the paradise of God? Perfect peace, perfect love, you know, mm-hmm. no fear. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah, joy. no fear. Right. You have the attitude that, that with Christ I can do all things. I was talking to someone this morning, and... A believer that was just kind of down on themselves and you know they had to take this test and they failed it 
And I said, um, stop being down on yourself. You know, with Christ, you can do all things. He said, yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm glad you said that because uh, I, I'm sitting there trying to do it on my own. And if he, and he said, if I would just ask for help, he's always there to help help you. And um, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He will give you the strength. to. Get, you could be in the worst trial in your life. You could be dealing with stuff you've never had to deal with before and still have per- perfect peace and still have joy and still be able to walk in the garden with the Lord and commune with him. Because peace is not the absence of war. You know, people think, well, you know, if I'm not going anything, going through anything, then I'll have peace. And it never occurs because nope. you're always going through something. Yeah, and this peace passes understanding there you go. is what you're talking about. Uh, we still go through things, but we can still have a peace as we go through knowing that our Savior is our one and only true source. I mean, if you're having financial problems, you don't stare at the financial problems. You stare at the Lord because he's the one that can prosper you and deliver you out of financial problems. It's the same way with any infirmity in your body. There's nothing wrong with going to a doctor or anything of that nature because I believe that God raised them up and gave them the technology to heal bodies and cancers and what have you. But Jesus is the ultimate healer. So we can go to the doctors and so on and so forth, but we always have to understand that the only true source is not Dr. Smith, but it's Dr. Jesus. He's the only source when it comes to financial problems, when it comes to physical issues, when it comes to relational issues. I know my wife and I at one time many years ago had a terrible struggle because I was such a character before the Lord got a hold of me. Uh, But God went ahead and healed You're that still relationship. A character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I admit. But God still in a good God, way. God and God uh, healed that relationship, and today we've been married. She reminded me yesterday, fifty-seven years. Wow. Praise God. So you were twelve when you got married. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember anymore. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Let's go to Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed, happy, prosperous. To be admired are those who wash their robes. What does that mean, wash their robes? You wash your robes in the blood of Christ by believing and trusting in him. The righteous who do his commandments. Well, Jesus said there's only two commandments, and that is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He said everything else is included in it. You do that? You can't do any wrong. Um, He made it so simple, so simple. Uh, Then it says, the Lord says, I will grant the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life. Oh, I'm sorry. So that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Here you go. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the cherubim with the flaming sword showing the way mm-hmm. that you may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. What city are we talking about? 
the garden, the city, kingdom. City of God, New Jerusalem, yeah. 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 So that's really powerful. Uh, and then, of course, Proverbs thirteen twelve: hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire is fulfilled, it is the tree of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, after all, the tree of life is in us. We can partake of the tree of life anytime we want. We don't have to go over to the Middle East or Jerusalem or wherever to partake from the tree of life. It's it's within us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. There should be unity, not separation in the body of Christ. This is one of the last things we'll talk about today. Man, where where is the, I mean, they say that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour or two in the week because you have you don't have all races in one church. You know, you have, well, I feel more comfortable here or there or whatever. That's not what, that's not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants us to be one. The Lord wants unity in the body of Christ. He does not want division. And, and in fact, you know, it, in fact, John 17 Lays it all out. It's very simple. John 17, 21 says that they all may be one. What's he referring to? Us. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also, they, us, meaning us, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. 22 says, In the glory which you gave me, I've given them. Boy, that's a, that's a, that's a fun thing, that, yeah. we, that got Jesus gave us the glory that the Father gave him. Well, we, it says we're co-heirs with Christ. That they may be one, even as we are one. So, Jim, does that say that we must realize that Jesus gave us his glory before we can really understand being one Hmm. as a body, not just one with God, but one with each other. In John 17, 23, it says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. There's no division Hmm. in that. There's no separation of us and them. And that the world may know that, that you have sent me and have loved me and them as thou has loved me. It says you have loved me, them as you have loved me. That's where we're coming up with this God loves you unconditionally. Yeah, this, uh, we all know uh, that we should be one with our brothers and sisters. But there'll, there'll never be a oneness um, with our brothers and sisters, until we become one with, him. with the Lord. Yeah. You know, that scripture that Rich quoted, first it says, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart mm-hmm. and all thy mind and all thy soul. And the second is likewise. Uh, brothers and first. sisters, well, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, there is no second without the first. Nope. 
You've got to love the Lord. And I think that this is where we in the body of Christ are really falling short today. Because God, in this hour now, God is really kind of demanding that I want your time and attention because I'm getting ready to do something very glorious in this earth. And I want to use you to do these things so my glory can pour through you. And so, you know, a few, several years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he says, have you learned enough about me? And I said, well, what do you mean, Lord? He said, well, you're constantly going to church, you're in Bible studies, you're at conference centers, you know, you're listening to every preacher under the sun, and he says, you've acquired a lot of knowledge about me, but you don't know me. And, you know, it was just like Job said, I've heard about you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. Job had a lot of information about God, but then after he went through a series of tests and what have you, he woke up to the realization of who God really, truly was. And guess what? Peter says, remember the end of Job. Don't focus on the trials and the testings and so on and so forth. But, but Job was restored back in giving a hundredfold over and above of what he already had. And the Bible records that he was the wealthiest man in the East. And God not only restored him back from that position, but made him a hundred times wealthier. So, you know, if I say anything that I want anybody to hear over this radio station this morning, you've got to fellowship with God. You've got to meditate on the Lord. You've got to spend some quiet time. And that could be in your car. That could be walking down the street. That could be on the job, just focusing on Jesus Christ. And, all, and God will do the rest. God will do the rest of the work for you, and you will enter into eventually into his rest. The condemnation will go, and you'll start understanding who you really are in Christ. And guess what? When you see who you are in Christ, you see who your brothers and sisters are also in Christ. And there's no way that you can judge your brothers and sisters when you know who you are, how much God loves you. So we've got to go to God in this hour and meditate on him. Okay, so let's kind of wrap this thing up. We talked about how in God there's only oneness. There's no separation. And we talked about that we need to be one with our brothers and sisters. It says love your neighbor. Well, who's your neighbor? Who isn't your neighbor is a better question. And so when it comes down to it, we have to take every opportunity there is to love our brothers and sisters. And, I mean, everywhere you look in the church, Jim, is division. you got different belief systems, dogmas, doctrines. Um, if you don't believe the way I believe... Um, you know, I can't fellowship with you. That is just total nonsense. There's 4,000 denominations. I mean... Which one of them has the truth? Jesus I mean, said, I am the truth. It's none of my business what you believe. You know, all we can do on behind these microphones is share what God shared with us. That's it. We're not going to sit there and tell you, oh, boy... You better believe the way we do or you're in big trouble. That's nonsense. No, no. That's no. nonsense. Trouble's over. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's freedom time. Yeah. It's time to get free yeah. Amen. from all the things that so easily beset us. Yeah. You know, like 
do's and don'ts and lists and to-do lists. And if I don't do this, I feel guilty and I feel this and I feel the other. And it's all negative. Yeah. Yeah. God is a positive, loving, caring, compassionate God. Yeah, he's our Father. That's the reason why he wants to be called Father. Yeah. Well, how do we pray, Lord? Say, our Father. Yeah. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, disciples, you've seen the Father. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Look at Jesus' life. That's why he came down here. He was the patterned son. Who did he condemn? Only the religious people. (laughs) And I don't know if he condemned them, but he sure laid them out. He called them, you know, whitewashed sepulchers and brood of vipers and whatever. He was trying to wake them up so they could come into the church. I don't know if it was condemnation, but it was definitely wake up, guys. You know, all this stuff you're doing is just a bunch of dead works. Some people need a sterner word like you and I, Rich. Well, sure. (laughs) Hey. I have uh, I have made enough mistakes in my life Amen, that uh, I don't even look back on them because they're all under the blood. He allowed it. He to, allowed it. It's who to, brought me to where I am today, right. and, and where I am today is I couldn't love the Lord more right. at this time. I hope tomorrow I can love him more because yeah. he loves me so much that I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine and you're experiencing that right now. You're not yep. just hear, heard about it from some preacher. You're experiencing it in your heart. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, honestly, when I, this stuff we're sharing with you, I can tell you for a fact, has revolutionized my life. Yeah. Amen. Me too. Drastically. Yeah. It has changed me. You can ask my wife. Things don't bother me as much as they bo- the, right. did before. I don't fly off the handle like I did before. I'm not saying I never fly off the handle. I'm just saying that I was a pretty wound tight person back in the day. And I- I'm pretty chill now because the more you trust in him, the more you're going to be able to enjoy this life. Because mm-hmm. he says, if you have cares, cast them on me. I- I'll take them all. And if you have cares right now that you're listening to this, cast them on him. It, it's a freedom. You get liberated with that because it's off your shoulders. You're not carrying that heavy weight. He says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Well, if you're not sensing that, then you need to cast all those cares and all that stuff over on him because he truly cares for you. Yeah, recently the Lord, I said, you know, Lord, I'm getting up in years, and, uh, you know, uh, what's going to happen here in the next 10 years, 20 years, whatever? And, and he said, well, doesn't this, my word say, cast your cares upon me, for I care for thee? And I said, well, yeah, I know the scriptures. He said, well, you know what those, that scripture means? And I said, what? He says, that means I'm your caretaker. Caretaker. I'm your caretaker. So don't take any cares. I'll take the cares for you. I will take care of you. That sounds like another topic for a program. Amen. I got a poem. God is our caretaker. Let me give this one scripture and you give your poem and we'll get out of here. Um, 2 Timothy 1.9 kind of summarizes this whole thing up. It says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? You know, you have a holy calling on your life. No matter what you've done, you still have a holy calling on your life. But here's the, here's the caveat here. Not according to our works, Paul says. 
It's not our works. That's not, I mean, you have, and you're probably saying, well, your holy calling is to go out and do nice things for people. Well, again, as long as you love Lord, love the Lord, and, and love your neighbor as yourself, that's the holy calling. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before the world began. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it took me a while to realize it's not about me. It's about God. And that when you see the big picture like this, that he saved you and called you with a holy calling, and it's not about your works, it's about your heart, it's a heart thing. We have a heart condition, and that heart condition is love. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus when before the world began, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how big this thing is. Yeah, meditate on that. Yeah. That's meditate a great verse that. to meditate on. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, because the more you meditate on scriptures like I have chosen you before the foundation of the world. I knew and, you before and I yeah, and I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before, you know, I, I was the one that formed you in your mother's womb before the foundation of the world. So, yeah, God's totally in charge. Make, don't question that in your heart. Father is in control. Um, I'm going to—and this word holy, um, that word always used to spook me because I thought, mm, holy sounds a little holy to me. And the Lord just spoke to me actually within the last 24 hours, and he said, really what I mean by that, son, is <clears throat> holy— W-H-O-L-L-Y. I'm going to make you whole, okay? It isn't that I'm looking for you to be some super religious dude, okay? I'm going to make you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, in my son Jesus Christ. But here's a poem that the Lord gave me, uh, and it goes like this. We are a masterpiece, and we're wrought from the hands of God. And in us he works both day and night, working deep within our sod, Sometimes we don't understand the workings of his hands, but we know by faith that what he's creating, it surely will be grand. It's grand because he already knows the beginning from the end, and that is how he does all things, to bring forth all as he has planned, not as you have planned, brother and sister, but he's going to bring you forth as he has planned. I'd love to see the finished work when it finally comes to an end, but he's reserved a day and time to reveal his master plan We must wait by faith that he supplies, and then we will see the glorious prize. For in him we now live and move and have our being, and when our faith has come to an end, we will awaken our glorious bodies to be back home again. Well, God bless you. We're so glad that you've tuned in. We love you, and uh, keep listening. Righteousness. Righteousness, peace, war, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Everybody sing righteousness. Joy in the Holy Ghost, that's the kingdom of God. Don't 
Righteousness. Righteousness. 